Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in UCLA, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? Oh, going great. Going great, Sam. Yeah, feel, feeling all right uh, after after Saturday night. It's a oh. pre- pretty big one. Oh, yeah. Always, man. Always love when, uh, you know, when we can beat SC. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's always like beating your little brother. You know, like your little <laughs> brother, the older he gets and the more he thinks he runs things. Nope. Sorry, little brother, I can still beat you, you know? Yep, yeah. So, like you're talking about, Travis, uh, UCLA men's basketball, they beat USC at Poly Pavilion Saturday night to end the regular season, uh, close things out 75-68. Got a little tight towards the end, but uh, for the most part, UCLA was was controlling things. They had a, a couple runs that helped them create enough space to win it. And, uh, yeah, so they're the number two seed in the Pac-12 tournament. That's big. Uh, coming off the, the win on Monday against Washington, which was largely a blowout as well. Uh, so pretty successful end to the regular season. And we'll be breaking that down, finally getting the the Trojan monkey uh, off their backs after five losses in a row. Mick Cronin finally beats USC. Uh, Jaime Hawkins, Tiger Campbell, those guys finally beat USC. So we'll be talking about that and what lies ahead in Pac-12 tournament, March Madness, uh, just kind of where this leaves them. And then also uh, NFL Combine, we'll be touching on that a little bit. We had a uh, tight end, Greg Dulcich, wide receiver, Kyle Phillips, offensive lineman, Sean Ryan, defensive lineman, Otito Ogbonia, and safety, Quentin Lake, uh, all participating at the Combine this week, uh, putting up numbers, making highlights, all that kind of stuff. So we'll break that down too and just kind of give our thoughts on where they stand six weeks out from the NFL draft. So um, yeah, with, with that down, um, just want to say, uh, if you're listening, thank you so much. Make sure to like, subscribe, turn on notifications, all that. Make sure you spread the word. Uh, best UCLA podcast around, uh, in, in my very humble opinion. 
Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, just a few quick shout outs before we get started with other stuff. Uh, UCLA baseball, we're, we're recording this Sunday night. UCLA baseball just beat number one in the country, undefeated Texas, 5-1. So that's pretty cool. Uh, okay, Kelly, okay, Austin, okay. Kelly Austin, uh, he, had a, he had a quality start. And I think Texas only had like three hits or something, five hits. Uh, really, really limited the damage there. So, hey, good for them. UCLA baseball had some speed bumps earlier in the year, lost a couple of midweek games a few weeks ago, but beating the number one team in the country after just blowing out Oklahoma in a mercy rule game on Saturday. It's not a, not a bad weekend down at uh down in Houston. So good for them. I just came uh, Travis from the gymnastics meet. They uh, totally obliterated Cal. Cal was number eight in the country and, and UCLA broke 198. That's some perfect tens. And it was a fun environment. I'm telling you, being there last night for basketball and then going there for gymnastics today, it was, it's pretty fun. Polly's definitely a, uh, getting getting in some action before all the conference tournaments and stuff mm-hmm. but um let's talk some basketball yes that that usc game um like we were saying finally 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 <laughs> first time in three years that they beat usc whether it's home or road whatever it is i mean you, you were watching travis what was your reaction what were your main thoughts coming away from that big one well, I would say this. I think that, uh, you know, UCLA, uh, they actually came out and played aggressive uh, defensively, really aggressive and smothering uh, SC defensively. I think you could tell that they really wanted to win this game. They, re- they really did. Um, people were flying around, closing out, making them. I mean, I've never seen so many shot cock violations in one game, it felt like <laughs> it was like the, the craziest thing. And, and, and I don't know if you could tell on the broadcast, but in the arena, literally could not hear the shot clock go off. I think there were three <laughs> in the first half that USC had three shot clock violations yeah. and it was so loud, got so loud at the end of those possessions that you literally could not hear it. Yep. No. And now for me, I was like, man, like I've never seen like a division one college team have four shot clock violations. That just doesn't in the same game. And it's don't happen. Yeah. Especially with a team as talented as SC. Um, I felt like I said, you know, SC made runs, UCLA, and I want to say shout out to, to Jaime. Jaime, if he ain't packed 12 player of the week, I don't know who is, you know, <laughs> you know, scoring 57 like points in 50, two games, yeah, 57 points, like 20 rebounds in two games. Yeah. Uh, definitely will be packed 12, packed 12 player of the, play the week. I'm calling it out now. Um, I think, uh, to be honest, you know, UCLA controlled the game. Uh, from start to finish, uh, you know, for the most part, like I said, SC has some runs because SC's a good team. 
And, you know, they when they cut it to, you know, two, three, whatever the case is, you know, I think you see how they hit the right shot, the right pass, the right move to kind of keep going. I think Jaime was they, – they made it a point to go at Mosley with Jaime. Every time he guarded him, they was going to him in the post. And they made it a point to get the ball to Jaime inside a lot. Um, maybe Coach Corner saw that in the, in the tape or something like that because what I saw, I've never seen Jaime get the ball like that. Like, all right, post, clear out. Post clear out. And he was just going to work mid range, inside, hook shots, you know, hit a three, I believe. So, like, he was, he was killing. And I feel like um, they are a different team if he's killing. They are a different team. So, let's just say, you know, Johnny will get back to being Johnny in this Pac 12 tournament, especially going on to the NCAA. If they got Johnny and they got Jaime playing at those super high levels, they are a Final Four team caliber. And they're playing defense, they are a Final Four team caliber. And I feel like they can beat anybody in the country. Um, I think it's just being consistent with that effort defensively and consistently with that effort to try to go inside and start inside out, not outside in, not jack up three, 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 and then start going inside. Go into Jaime inside first. Let him get going, get cooking one-on-one. And then when that happens, he's a good passer. He'll kick it out, you know, to, to Johnny and to Tiger and to everybody else, you know, in Jules. And, you know, once they start cooking, and then they're, they're cooking with fire. So, you know, just to kind of, you know, add that, you know, I think that it was a good win for UCLA, a win that they needed. Um, even though they had been winning, they hadn't really beat a quality point, opponent in a little while since the Arizona game. So they needed this win to kind of like show that, okay, we can still be ranked teams. Them being a two seed is good. And it gives them a chance to, like I said, get, you know, you know, possibly win the Pac-12 uh, championship against Arizona. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely huge for momentum. It was definitely huge for getting USC, just getting that off their shoulders. Because, I mean, I, I don't know how much it weighed on the players, but looking at the fan base and the narratives and you couldn't go anywhere with this team talking about this team over the past week without seeing things like, Oh, Mick Cronin hasn't beat USC. Like all these guys haven't beat USC. So even if they don't care, they don't notice it's at least gets that narrative out of the way. So in case they play them in the PAC 12 tournament again, and in all likelihood they will uh, in the semifinals, assuming both teams get there then that they don't have to worry about that. They don't have to hear about it because they probably weren't worried about it, but they were asked about it. They, they saw people talking about it. Now that that's off the table. Uh, Jaime Hawkins. Yeah. 27 points, 10 of 16 shooting. I think he started like, like nine of 12 or something like something crazy yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, it was David Woods from Bruno Port online, uh, 24 seven sports, who was writing about it this week and, and asked Jaime about it this week um, about how he's kind of playing like a traditional power forward now. And, and that isn't really what he, that that's not what he was in March madness last year. That's not what he was at the beginning of this year, even when he was playing well, but with those, <clears throat> those two ankle injuries and wearing braces fighting through those, he's feeling a little better and physically, but also he's adjusted his, his play style and his offensive game to kind of account for that. He doesn't have a ton of bounce right now and he hasn't for a couple of weeks, but 
he's really weaponized that pump fake, those spin moves, the just working within 10 feet of the basket. And that's what has made him so dangerous over the past week. Um, and I just, <laughs> I just want to say Jaime, his uh, signature move was for, for a, a while, the, the, just like a pump fake on the block. But now it's the mid-range pump fake into a foul, which he does <laughs> at least three times every game. And it's yeah. funny because the, the other team gets pissed off every time. If he does it on the road, everyone's complaining and like, ah, it's a foul, but it's so scummy and it's so annoying for other teams. <laughs> and that's great. Just get in their heads with that kind of stuff. But the, the funny part is there was a stretch in the second half. I think he had like eight or 10 points in a row for UCLA helped lead like a, like a 10 2 run or whatever it was where he went out, he pump faked and then went into it uh, and drew the foul, hit some free throws. And then I think the next two times he tried it, he didn't get the foul call, but the shot went in. Yeah. He just like yeah, threw a yeah. line drive yeah, through contact yeah, yeah. while like while trying to draw the foul and he got it to go, which is just like mm-hmm. it's literally a, a win-win. Either you go to the line or you somehow hit some kind of crazy circus shot. He should just do that every time. Why not? No. <laughs> well, no, I definitely agree. The funny thing is like he got Mobley. It was Mobley, like like yeah, three times a, a, on the same a veteran player. Mobley, Mobley's a junior. He yeah, he shouldn't yeah. be biting on those. He he should have read the scouting report. <laughs> pump fake. Ah, pump fake. Ah, you know, the shot blocker kid, I can't think when I was Sacramento. I get that. He's young. He's a shot blocker. He's anxious. He's trying to prove himself. But he was doing it against Mobley. So, like I said, I, I think like, you know, they played well. Jaime played great. Um, and he, he's got a little explosive. I mean, when he went to the basket that one time, he went off one leg and dunked it. And I said, okay. Yeah. You know, I was like, there I haven't go. seen that in a while, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that he played great. I still feel like uh, my boy, the person I always talk about, Cody Riley, you know, like it's like uh, they need him to play better. He just, he can't figure out how to, you know? Yeah. It, it's, um, it's, it's been a tough stretch for him. Yeah. Uh, on both ends of the floor and and yeah. it is kind of frustrating to watch because you see miles johnson is pretty much all around much better in almost every aspect of the game and you want miles to play more and if you're if you're looking for this team to really blow up and and i think miles had a double digit plus minus and cody ended up with a negative plus minus and a win which is not a good sign but oh. that being said it's uh USC cuts it to a two-point game. I think it was 70 to 68. Yeah. A couple yeah. With, mm-hmm. with uh, like 80, 90 seconds left. Mm-hmm. And UCLA had missed 10 shots in a row. And they have a guy on the court with a negative plus minus. The only guy on the team with a negative plus minus. And mm-hmm. who hits the, the clutch shot? It's Cody Riley. Right. And, and the fact that it's not even a layup, it was a fadeaway. It was like he Kobe that or Mike, nice. <laughs> like he shot a fadeaway. I said, "Oh no, 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 yes." <laughs> <laughs> the the classic no, 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 yes. Yeah, which is which is weird because like, I mean, you appreciate the confidence there. You're like, "Wow, you can have just a god awful game and still put up a good shot and feel good about it." But also, mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, if if he missed like four bunnies and layups in that game, and it was just hard to watch and. 
then if, if he takes that shot and misses it, you're so mad about it. But just because it went in, you're like, wow, hey, that's awesome. Good for him. And no, and no, yeah, I mean, and and good for him. I'm not I'm not shorting that and shorting the, the clutch play he made. But uh, mm-hmm. between that, uh, that should have ended it. But the fact I think UCLA, I think Johnny missed two of two at the line. He was the Which best. Was, yeah, he's shocking. the best free throw shooter in the Pac-12. He was shooting like 86.6 percent. And uh, Jalen Clark missed two of two a couple minutes earlier, and then. I think Jules Bernard went one of two. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So not great from the free throw line the last five minutes. Before that, they were great. Miles Johnson hit two out of two. Jaime was was They were point the shaving. Line. They were point shaving. Apparently, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, what was what was the spread? Wait, so they win by seven, and I think it was an eight or eight and a half point spread. Yeah. The, yeah. the last see, one see. I saw was eight and a half. So, <laughs> oh boy. Johnny Zhang, who should hit, who all almost always hits both. If he hits both of those, the UCLA covers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I think USC missed the last four shots or whenever they were not taking advantage of the the lane that UCLA was giving them. And Mick actually wasn't that upset about the free throws because I, I was talking to him after the game and he was like, Oh yeah, we were shooting like 90% before that. No, no big deal. It was more about, Oh, we're chasing after rebounds. We don't need to get, we're not getting back on defense. What are you doing in these last three minutes here? You have this game, you have to adjust. And, and he wasn't very happy with how things ended. And, and Bruin fans shouldn't be either. That was kind of messy. They, they were up 13 with five minutes left or whatever it was. And, it gets to a two-point game with a minute left. That's that's not great. <laughs> that that could have gone horribly, and for it to be the sixth loss in a row to USC in that kind of way would have been just devastating. <laughs> so, agree. For, agree. for their sake, thank God it didn't happen because I think Mick Cronin's head would have exploded. Agree, agree. Because he'd have been like, "What do I? I can't beat this team." You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think there there was definitely a lot that went right in that game uh, and, and uh, actually it, it's crazy we haven't even talked about it yet uh, um well as a team having a 15 to 1 turnover ratio or assisted turnover ratio is great but really zero in on that and you're like wait a second that's a good assisted turnover ratio but they only had one turnover the entire game i think they were averaging 9.4 heading into it, which put him top five in the country per game now I think they're fourth best in turnover rate after that game last night. But that's the crazy thing about this team is they can have cold spots and they can not be able to get something from their bigs and their leading score is not playing well. And, and their point guard who, who had a, a big step earlier in the year was just all right. And especially in the second half, wasn't really great at all. Mm-hmm. But when you're not giving USC extra possessions, that does a lot one turnover in a 40 minute basketball game. Come on. That's insane. And and it was one, I think it was like miles Johnson. Like I think the box course had traveled, but some people were saying like stepped out of bounds, whatever it was. And he was contesting it. So they barely even had that one turnover. They, they, they were like an inch away from having no turnovers in a game against a power five opponent. That's insane. No, no, definitely. I think they're taught, you know, coaches taught them very well to be disciplined and just not be, you know, making terrible passes or, you know, terrible situations. So I think um, they played, like I said, they played a good game. They played a really, a really good game. Um, I thought the SC had spurts. I think UCLA lost their focus, you know, 
and start just kind of like jacking up shots, you know, and taking like, you know, sometimes it takes them forever to get a shot. It's like a one-on-one, all right, dribble, dribble, something, throw it up, you know, kind of thing, you know, and those are like turnovers in itself, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's like, if you're shooting these long, terrible shots, which probably ain't going to go in most of the time, long rebound, long run, and SC's running. You know, I think what UCLA did was kept SC out of that full court situation. And what they did was press SC. You know, they made SC have to give up the ball. And, you know, like they didn't have the, the ball in their point guard's hands all the time. So I think, like I said, they, they played a really good jazz game and a really good game. It'll be interesting to see if they did play in the semifinals just to see what adjustments that SC would make and what adjustments UCLA would make. Yeah, and we were talking about the the home court advantage earlier. I think there were four of those shot clock violations. Three of them, if that game's not in Poly Pavilion, USC is not getting those turnovers there. So on a neutral site, which you'd have to assume there are more UCLA fans in Vegas than, than USC, um, whether that's living in Vegas or going for the games, but it's obviously not going to be that kind of environment. So yeah, like you said, We'll see. Uh, but we'll touch on that in a second. Let's uh, take a, a bit of a break from basketball and talk a little football before headed back to a bit of a um, Pac-12 tournament preview. So NFL Combine had some uh, pretty solid performances from, from the UCLA crew. Uh, not everyone really knocked it out of the park, but I mean, started off with Greg Dulcich. Uh, he, he ran one of the faster 40-yard dashes um he his bench press wasn't great um he's kind of towards the bottom at his position but uh running routes his hands the gauntlet drill uh just watching the nfl network broadcast they were talking him up a lot and he's pretty much in the position where where some draft experts have him as the number one tight end in the draft uh and and i think one of the guys on nfl i think it was daniel jeremiah had him at number one bucky brooks had him at four Sports Illustrated has him at four. Um, and maybe CBS has him at seven. Uh, so it's the NFL draft. It depends a lot on who who's on the board, who's picking. But if if you have multiple experts who have him as a top five tight end, some have him as number one, then you have to assume some teams have him as the number one tight end on their board. So if they get to the late second round where you have really good playoff contending teams with minimal gaps on their roster who don't want to re-sign a tight end or something, then maybe they can pick him up the late second. I think Greg Dulcich is in the position where he has the, the, the vertical skills, the ball catching skills, the, the ability as a receiving tight end and, and not a great blocker, but a good enough blocker to justify taking him as high as early second. And I would say no lower than, or sorry, late second and no lower than early fourth. So that's a pretty good spot for him to be in a few weeks out from the draft. Most definitely. I feel like um, I was already thinking about teams that can use him. I mean, let's be honest. The, the Green Bay can use him because they're tight end at Torrey's ACL last year. Um, who else can use him? Uh, Kansas City, yes, they can use another tight end because, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, what if he got hurt kind of thing? And he would probably fit in their system because, like, they like pass catching tight ends, not necessarily blocking tight ends. Um, you know, uh, maybe Miami. Um, 
It just no, kind of. I, I don't know. I don't know what Gasicki's contract deal. Uh, contract. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, you know, like with Kasiki, because you know, you know how it is right now. It's you know, it's going to be a lot of a lot of players available. Gronk retires. Yeah, T- so, Tampa at the end of the second. Where are they looking? You know, where are they looking because they got two tight ends, but one stays hurt. You know, OJ yeah, Howard. OJ Howard keeps getting hurt, and, and they, get, get, you know. who, who knows with uh, with Cameron Braid? But I, I know he uh, Dulcich met with the Chargers on Wednesday or, or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and the Titans and also the Giants. So Giants would be picking early third is, is where he'd be in line to go there. But uh, late second for Chargers and Titans, may, maybe mid-late third. Those are some pretty good spots. He, he keep staying in L.A., start working with Justin Herbert. Think about think about the team that they would have if they added him, right? They they kind of do need a tight end, to be honest. They don't, I don't know who the tight end is. Yeah, it was um, uh, I think it was Jared Cook. Uh, who? Yeah, he was on a one-year deal, right? Yeah, he was on a one-year deal, and he's 34. So, do you bring him back on another one-year deal at age 35, or do you draft, you draft an, an LA guy, an LA tight end to kind of work with your young yeah. quarterback? I think about it. Work with your young quarterback. Um, they still have Keenan Allen. They still have to re-sign Mike Williams. So, I don't know where the money's going to come from for Mike Williams and Cook. They might just mm-hmm. draft. You know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because I feel like he can actually be a mid-second. And I'm going to say high, but just say as high as a mid-second, as low as a fifth. But I don't think he's going to go either. I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah like there, late there's, second. Definitely, there's definitely some teams that would have him as a fifth rounder. Uh-huh. But to get there... It would have to. There would be so many teams on the clock that have yeah. him as a third rounder. So I, I don't think he drops there unless something really weird happens. Yeah, I don't think he, he's a. Pat, if you notice, the, the league is getting more and more and more offensive. Mm-hmm. So pass catching tight ends are like basically another receiver that you don't have to pay as much. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, think about think about the Rams and and and, and uh, is it Higby? Yeah, Tyler Higby. Um, he's more of a, he's not really a blocking tight end, he's more of a pass, pass catching tight end, and they use him in spurts and things like that. I think, uh, the number one tight end, obviously, Travis Kelsey, he's not a blocking tight end, he's a receiving tight end, you know, who does have to block, but he's not really, you know, like if you notice the, the pass catching tight ends are getting more and more because they're just a bigger version of a wide receiver that they don't have to pay as much. So I think, you know, he could definitely go high because I did read about his skills and I saw him play. He, he catches, you know, he can catch contested passes and that's what tight ends all have to do. They have to catch the most contested passes. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely a guy who, and we saw it at UCLA. He is a third down weapon. Yes. Uh, and I, I, I like that Higby comparison because I'm looking up uh, Higby just to see that what their size and how that compares and Higby's got two inches on him, but they're, they're the same weight. Uh, and I, the reason I like is because Higby's got that long hair and a mustache. And you got Dulcich. Dulcich is just a Higby with curly hair. If Higby <laughs> got a perm, Greg Dulcich. So, I mean, I, I think that's how teams should look at him. When when the, the Chargers on the, are on the board and they look across town, they're like, mm, they got Tyler Higby. Well, we got curly Tyler Higby. We can, we can one-up that. So, I, I think, yeah, Dulcich. He definitely impressed. Kyle Phillips uh, is is not a guy who will go that high, but I think uh, also had a pretty good showing 
uh, at the combine. I, I will pull up the numbers here in a sec, <laughs> but uh, had a pretty good 40 yard dash. Um, for for a guy at, at his size and, and his position, uh, who's kind of that slot guy, just rack up catches. Um, he got a a four five zero official, so that's not slow. And and for a slot guy, a, a hands guy like him, that's pretty solid. Uh, mm-hmm. Not enough to vault him up the draft boards to be in a first rounder, but you know, some team may take a flyer as early as like late fifth. But he is looking like he's in a position to get drafted, and and he should because once teams watch his tape and look at his production at UCLA. Um, They'll, they'll see that that's going to be a good move for them. The, the only issue is I think in the uh, second to last drill, it was a, like a jump ball drill. Uh, he went up for a pass and came down kind of tough. The, the broadcast said they were looking at his shoulder, missed that last drill. So hopefully he's okay. And I, I guess we'll see if he's at the UCLA pro day in a couple of weeks, if he's fine, if, if he's healthy and there was nothing serious there he's definitely someone who should be drafted and, and signed and should play somewhat of a role early on. Cause he, he's a talented guy. No, definitely. I think everybody knows who's the offensive player of the year this year, right? It was Cooper cup. Cooper cup was what a third, fourth round pick. So, yeah, so some, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You yeah, know, not, like not that everyone's just... top. Not everyone's Julio Jones and AJ green. And even the Julio Jones and AJ Green types don't all necessarily all work out, you know. I think exactly. it's the it's the third and the, like I said, who Cooper Cup was a third or fourth round pick, and yeah, basically tra- he be Travis. He, you don't have to you don't have to remind me. I, my Patriots took Nikhil Harry in the first round, so <laughs> <laughs> I I know what it's like for for wide receivers to be wonky in the draft. It happens. <laughs> okay, can I tell you? I feel like you guys probably every time you see Debo Samuel for San Francisco, uh, right? DK this, Metcalf, DK Metcalf, you know, yeah. the, what was the guy from Minnesota? I think. Uh, all those receivers that you maybe could have took, but yeah, you didn't. I think I think Jefferson Jefferson is the year after, but yeah, oh, yeah after, seeing okay, that okay, kind okay. of guy go, and you're like, oh yeah, the Vikings take a guy in the first round, they get Justin Jefferson. Who the Patriots get? Sick. <laughs> Some bum from Arizona State, classic. Yeah, 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 pretty much. I was, I, I was like, <laughs> really? Look, everybody has a flaw, and Bill Belichick's flaw is receivers. He cannot draft a receiver. To save he, his he life. can't draft corners. Bill Belichick gets better corners undrafted than drafted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but and but so, that's the funny thing is, is speaking of that, a lot of people are talking Kyle Phillips to the Patriots in sixth or seventh round. The Patriots have picks back there, and he was asked about it uh, at the combine on on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was. And he said, um, well, he hasn't met with the Patriots yet. Um, but it, he's still got time for the pro day during the pro day after the pro day got a while for the draft uh hasn't met with the patriots but he did meet bill belichick on campus at ucla last year uh because the patriots were coming through bill belichick chip kelly know each other kyle phillips was uh at the team facility trying to uh write a paper and who walks in bill belichick so <laughs> he said that was a little a little weird. That's the only time he's met Bill, but uh, maybe he'll meet him again and we'll be playing for him again. So that, that'd be a fun little circle life thing there for him. No, the funny thing about that is I think that the Patriots, they're stacked. Like They, they were stacked at the corner spot. They just obviously they traded Stephon Gilmore away. Yeah, J.C. Um, Jackson, they, free agent. J.C. Jackson is a free agent and Bill's not going to pay 
He might pay J.C. Jackson some money. He's not going to pay him over a certain amount, I promise you that. Yeah, I think it's 17 mil for the franchise ta- tag. So He won't do that. I don't know I, if he does that. He, I think like if he believes in him the way he believed in Stephon Gilmore, maybe, right? But I, I'm thinking he's probably going to get like a – J.C. Jackson's like a four-year, 60 million, something like that. Someone will give it to him, yeah. Uh, yeah. So – Speaking of defensive backs, Quentin Lake, uh, he wrapped things up on Sunday for the UCLA guys at the combine uh, safety. He uh, just the, the only measurement really did. Uh, he didn't do a vertical leap or broad jump or any cone times or anything, but he did 40 yard dash. Looks like he pulled up a little bit short and uh, I think it ran like a four, six something. So it was the, the tied for the worst among the, the safeties wasn't great um it, it was a, it was a shame because he really had such a great showing at the east west shrine uh last month um mm-hmm. and, and he showed he's good man he's a pretty good tackler looked like he could be a guy who guy who gets drafted and he still is probably in position to get drafted but not you know deal showing from him uh otito Igbonia, uh he went down with an injury towards the end of the the defensive lineman day um, wasn't ideal either. Uh, doing the figure eight drill, reaching down for a towel and pulled his right hamstring. I know he opted out of the holiday bowl before uh, we found out there wasn't going to be a holiday bowl saying that he played most of 2021 uh, fighting through an injury and he had a lower body injury earlier in the year. So hopefully that wasn't re-aggravated or anything. It's just a little tweak and he comes back and he's fine. Uh, but he's another guy who is definitely in position to get drafted in those middle late rounds. And then uh, it's Sean Ryan, uh, not much to say about him. UCLA's left tackle for the last three years and it, not much to say, not because he wasn't great. And he, he put on a pretty good showing at the combine on Friday, but you know, it's offensive line. It's not a very sexy position to talk about. <laughs> it's very, very technical, very bunch of big dudes doing their thing. Sean Ryan's really good. He could, be a late first rounder could be a late second rounder, but he's probably in all likelihood will be the first UCLA guy off the board. Oh no, definitely left tackles is a primo position, you know, and, uh, and the, the, the shame for him is that he is a little short for left tackle. So teams are talking about moving him into guard and he'd be a really good guard, but that may hurt his stock a little bit because like you're saying, if you were a bona fide tackle, then yeah, locked as a first round pick, but if teams are a little unsure about his position, then I don't know if you can justify taking a guard, a tweener guy at, at, at 22. Maybe you're have to, gonna have to wait for your second round pick. We'll see. Well, no, I agree with that. I mean, but look, look at the speaking of the Patriots, they took an undersized left tackle from Georgia uh, a couple of years ago with Sonny it, Michelle. And it, a guy who uh who has barely been able to stay on the field. And yeah, even when he's there, it's always like was he a left tackle? Is he a right tackle? Is he your left guard? What is he? So teams will do it, but that, I mean, I, I think yeah. that right there might be a little bit of a, a cautionary tale. Uh, no, you're, you're hundred percent right on that. I, I feel like, you know, like if he has to move to the left guard, I might, like you said, like probably makes him a second round pick mm-hmm. uh, mid, mid second, maybe early, but like, let's say mid second. Um, just because like you said, like the tweeners, there are some shorter left tackles, but most of the tackles are, you know, the typical 6'5", 300, you know, or 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, you know, the tall, uh, you know, left tackles, you know, they're 6'8", whatever it is they do this because they have to maintain that, you know, that leverage and, and height. So for me, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens if if he stays at left tackle, which I don't think so. I think he'll probably end up moving left guard or right guard, you know, or something like that. Maybe right tackle, um, just depending on the team. Let's just say Baltimore because Baltimore needs one. So we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. I, I really can't wait to the draft because UCLA has some interesting players. Like, they really do. You know, some guys that can go semi-high-ish and some, you know, like, and then later round players. But I, I really think that the talent that they have all can make the teams, you know? Yeah. I, and I don't say, like, you know, like that lightly. Like, they can make – like, everybody that's in the draft could make a team, essentially. Yeah, and you had the five guys at the combine. Plus, you have Alec Anderson, who's right tackle. You got uh, Quantra's Knight. Uh, he's kind of a nickel dude, just a pseudo safety corner kind of guy who, mm-hmm. who I, I have seen in some mock drafts. So it's not like he's all hope is lost. Britton Brown, physical back, probably won't get drafted, but good undrafted guy. Same with Daytona Jackson. And there, there's a lot of bodies out there. I think it's definitely like like you're talking about will be the, the best UCLA draft since 2018. When they mm-hmm. had uh, Josh Rose and Colton Miller go in the first round, you had Jordan Lasley go. You had uh, was it Kenny Young who also went that year? Scott Questenberry. That that was a big year, and I, I don't you don't you won't have two first round picks this year uh, like, like in 2018. But um, you're gonna have, I would say at least four, maybe as many as six guys drafted maybe seven. I don't really know. It was a while for the draft. We'll see what happens at the pro day, but I mean, if yeah, it'll be fun to keep an eye on because day one round one probably won't hear anyone besides maybe Sean Ryan, but mm-hmm. that day two rounds two and three it'll, UCLA people will be tuned in. And then that last day could be bang, 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 a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, pro day coming up on March 15th. Uh, I'll, I'll be there for that and, and, and report back on the pod from what I see definitely a lot of pro potential for these Bruins and it'll it'll be interesting to to keep an eye on moving forward before the draft hits at the end of April no definitely agree and uh I'm like I said I, I feel like I'm pretty excited about the situation just because they have that kind of talent they have NFL talent you know just last year so it'll be interesting to see like who goes where you know I, I think there will be some teams that will take some flyers on some UCLA players um, the funny thing, this might be the first time in, I don't know, maybe since forever that you see, there might be more UCLA guys get drafted than SC guys. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, Cause maybe. I, I know they, they've got, uh, they got Drake London. They've got, well, uh, Drake, Drake is going to go. Oh yeah. He'll 10. go top 15 or something. Yeah. yeah they yeah, got top, linebackers and old linemen. And, uh, they, they definitely have, have guys who, who are good. Um, but maybe after those like three or four guys for them. That's what I said. I don't know. I, feel I, know, like uh, after, I think Malpai, I don't know where yeah, his they have a lot is. Of, I, I haven't looked have into little, it too much. So, so we'll yeah, see, but yeah, no. I, that that's another storyline to keep an eye on. So that'll be fun. I'm um, telling you, like, this is the first time in forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do some research on that, Travis. I'll let you yeah, know. Yeah. I'm telling um, you. But yeah, before we get going, just a quick look ahead to the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, UCLA, I mean, they, they were already locked into a bye uh, before Saturday's game. Um, so they were in a good spot either way. With the win, they get the two seed. So they're playing either Cal or Washington State next Thursday. They beat Cal by 
10 points and 20 points earlier. They beat Washington state by 20 points. And these are two teams that haven't really caused them any issues. Uh, These should be pretty clear, easy wins either way. I mean, you, you hope for that for a top 10 team like UCLA is, is playing like right now, but um, it doesn't really seem like there's an Oregon state like last year. Oregon, well, maybe somewhere else in the conference, but it, not on UCLA's side of the bracket, at least, because that Oregon State team was was athletic and scary and kind of a the sleeping giant. And then they run into UCLA and UCLA gets screwed over. I, I don't think you get that with Cal or Washington State. I, I don't really think there's much of a shot for either of them. No, I think if UCLA, like I said, takes care of business, take care, like, you know, takes care of business, they win the game. Um, you know, and then, like I said, them getting a bye kind of helps players, helps Johnny Juzang kind of get his rhythm back maybe. It helps uh, Jaime kind of rest a little bit, you know. So, and, you know, like I think it, it makes the game a little bit more easier because, you know, in a tournament situation when you're one and done, you never know. But I think, you know, for UCLA, they can add. And there they, are the – if you notice, Joe Lenardi has them as the first four seed. Which means if they win a couple games in this tournament and they beat SC and they beat uh, Arizona or Oregon SC, let's say they, they run new Oregon SC, Arizona, they could become a three, you know, easy, oh, yeah. you know, and I think um, it could happen, you know, because their body of work and the teams that they've beaten, and not a lot of teams have beaten uh, the teams that they've beaten. You know, they beat a Villanova team that was number three in the country at the time. They beat an Arizona team that was number, no, no, top top five in the country at the time. Um, they beat, obviously, SC, who was number 16. They beat Marquette on the road. Um, they beat Long Beach State, which if Long Beach State wins out, that's another tournament team, you know? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. They, they still have everything ahead of them. And like I said, you know, if they can – Beat Oregon. I don't know if they will play Oregon in the next round, but let's just say they yeah, beat. Yeah, they, assuming they beat Cal Washington State, then yeah. they play USC in the semis, assuming USC. Yes, yeah. yeah. Whoever they yeah. beat. And yeah. then in the finals, it will be either, I think it's Washington, Oregon, or Arizona. So it'll be Arizona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be, like I said, and if they can beat SC and Arizona back to back games, they move up. They move up. Because Arizona, I think, oh, no matter what, if Arizona, if they get to the Pac-12 tournament, it's a lock for a one. They're a lock for a one if they get to the Pac-12 tournament. That means they'll be 31-2. and two. Yeah, they'll be a, in Pac-12 champions. They'll be a lock for the one. And even if S- UCLA beats them. So, um, I think SC can, like I said, I mean, it's, it's UCLA can be, uh, like I said, maybe a three, even maybe even a two. You never know. Say one of the people in the second bracket, your Baylors, your Kentuckys, uh, your Dukes, say they lose again in the first round of their tournaments. Uh, like I said, they can just – they still have everything ahead of them, like I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, you know? There's a lot of road ahead, and, and we'll we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it and talking about it here. Um, right, so I, I, it, I'm saying this out loud, and it sounds weird. Selection Sunday is a week away. Finally. That's crazy. So, and yeah, a lot, a lot of road ahead before we get there. 
but yeah. it's a week away, depending on when you're listening to this. I mean, I know this is going up Monday morning. So by the time you're you're listening to this, it'll be less than a week. So that's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, we, we will be talking about everything selection Sunday, next Sunday. We've got some special projects in the works. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but other than that, that should pretty much do it for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA presented by Bet Online. Just want to thank you so much again for listening. I uh, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Travis, thank you for, for joining me. And uh, where can people find you and your work online? Pretty much you can find me at Travis W. Reed, R-E-E-D on Instagram. And then Travis W. Reed on Facebook. Um, you know, like I said, I post a lot of my social, pretty much all my social media there. Um, if you ever... If you ever, uh, we got some new things coming. Like I said, I'm probably going to be starting a show on YouTube, um, the Athlete's Journey show from the network. So we got some things in the works, you know. And if you, uh, if anybody is an avid reader, uh, like I said, I have started a book club. So check me out. Like I said, got some things going. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So yeah, check that out. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Conan. And then uh, also make sure to check out allbruins.com, which is the uh, Sports Illustrated site for UCLA. Um, you can follow them on uh, Twitter at si.allbruins and on Facebook at si underscore allbruins. So check that out for uh, all UCLA coverage. I'll, I'll be putting this podcast up there and then also uh, articles and, and interviews and all the stuff for for men's basketball football baseball gymnastics all, all that stuff all the action going on in westwood so yeah thank you again for listening we appreciate it and we'll see you next week peace For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.